Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the show. Lots to get to this hour. Robert Mays of the Ringer in at the bottom of the hour to talk about Saints Rams, Chiefs Patriots, and the NFL's Conference Championship game. Apparently, UNO, Scott Alexander was just texting me, UNO comeback win against Stephen F. Austin over there tonight. 15-2 uh, excuse me, they went down 15-2 to two and then came back to win. So UNO out there, nice job for Coach, uh, Coach Celeste and the Privateers hoops team. Speaking of hoops, Jake, Al- uh, Jake Alexander, <laughs> Jake Madison will come in and talk Pelicans with us in about 10, 15 minutes from now as they get ready to tip off against the defending champion Golden State Warriors who just pummeled the team with the best record in the NBA by 35 points. Beat Denver by 35 points, scored 50 points in the first quarter. It's a little Pelican stock coming up. Back to these conference championship games, and there's so many storylines around the conference championship games, and and we're diving into them all this week. But one of the things that has also struck me is the coach-quarterback combinations in these championship games. Think about this. In New Orleans, you've got a Hall of Fame coach in Sean Payton, Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. New England, obviously, Hall of Fame coach, Bill Belichick, Hall of Fame quarterback, in Tom Brady. Kansas City, you've got a Hall of Fame coach, and don't at me, Andy Reid, whether he wins a Super Bowl or not, is a Hall of Fame coach. And he's got an MVP candidate and guy certainly on a Hall of Fame trajectory already in Patrick Mahomes. And then in Los Angeles, you have flavor of the year really flavor the last couple of years coach who i think if you took a poll out there of people that watch the nfl you say is sean mcveigh going to be hall of fame coach uh most of them will probably say yes he's pretty good quarterback here certainly not, i don't think he's going to be a hall of fame guy we'll see though depending on how many super bowls he wins in jared goff so critically important in the nfl to lock down the most important pieces of your franchise And I'm talking about every piece of them from the ownership on down. You can win with a head-scratching owner and kind of an insufficient guy at general manager if you get the coach and quarterback situations right. You can win with an owner that is frugal and doesn't like to spend money in free agency And that general manager who's hand-side, if you get lucky and get that coach-quarterback combination right. It's really hard to win if you have outstanding talent on the rest of your team, but your coach-quarterback combination isn't up to snuff. Now, Chicago, the book hasn't been written on Matt Nagy or Mitchell Trubisky, but you can point to them and say they had talent across the roster. Good lines offensively and defensively. The best defense in the NFL in the last four years. So much talent there. Good running backs, good wide receivers. But Mitchell Trubisky, 
Might have been the weakest link at quarterback in the NFL. And Matt Nagy in the playoffs, playoff Matt Nagy, we detailed just how terrible he was at clock management and some of the moves that he made as a head coach. In Dallas, do you think that Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott are going to win a championship regardless of how much talent they have around those guys? I've defended Dak as a capable and competent NFL quarterback. I think they're going to win a title there with those two guys. I guess we don't know yet about some of these new hires, but Cliff Kingsbury? Is he really going to be that guy in Arizona, even with a Josh Rosen? I don't know. It's one of the reasons I thought that Green Bay made a serious mistake by firing Mike McCarthy. You had that coach-quarterback combination there, and now you've got Matt LaFleur, a huge question mark. Who's going to run this conference? I'll tell you this. Doug Peterson and whoever he has at quarterback, Carson Wentz obviously would have won an MVP last year. I think it's going to be him. If it is Nick Foles, he's already won a championship. That seems like a pretty good coach-quarterback combination. They've got a great GM and owner, Jeffrey Lurie, there. Seattle, we know about Pete Carroll, Hall of Fame guy. Russell Wilson, going to be a Hall of Fame guy. Here in New Orleans, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, we know that. Got a few franchises here. If we're just talking about the NFC that have those positions locked down and still teams and are chasing their tail trying to figure out the formula here. Well, it's not that hard, especially in the NFL. Get those two positions and everything you can build around them. Let's go to the phone lines here at 504-260-1870. Raymond and Ponchatoula, what's going on? Hey, man, I just want to say one thing. I'm a diehard Saints fan, been around ever since they had the paper bag. Love them. Okay, and for New Orleans Saints, all I want Sean Payton to do is one thing, which I don't think no other coach could do the things he do. He know how to coach. We got the manners there, and we got Drew Brees, Kamara, and Ingham, Michael Thomas, yeah, Smith. We got we got them beat. Yeah, keep, all keep. the offensive line needs to do even up there hurt. Don't. Raise up from the ball and stand up and let them push your own Drew Brees. You stand up and charge where you're going to score at. Push forward. Okay? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the Saints, uh, look, I'm, I'm, I've already told you, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick them to win this game. Score to be determined here. Thanks for the call, Raymond. A text from the 985, could the fans get us penalized if we're too loud? Uh, no, that is a relic of the past and one of the most poorly designed rules in sports history penalizing crowds for being too loud it seems like the victorian era of sports you kidding me here can you imagine (laughs) can you imagine bill vinovich who's going to be the head referee in this one throwing the yellow flag unsportsmanlike conduct on the superdome crowd too many decibels yeah that'd be a new one no it did happen before i had a caller point that out there used to be a rule against that the craziest rules i've ever seen Hey, Saints fan, remember, you can join myself, Bobby Bear, and Deuce McAllister for a very special show this Saturday, a special edition of Sports Talk, a little Houdat pep rally, live from Rouse's at Vets and Causeway out in Metairie from noon until 3 p.m. We've been doing these shows all year long, and I'm telling you, and I think you would agree with this if you've listened, some of just the most fun that you'll hear some guys have on radio 
uh, this year in our market. It has been a blast to do those shows with those guys. They're asking us back this week. And look, we'll be there. And you can come on out again, noon to three out at Rouse's in Metairie. That's Vets and Causeway. Bobby Deuce and myself, 2,900 Vets, right here on WWL. Also, just a special programming note. As the world focuses on uh, Saints football, show are we, of course. So tomorrow on Friday, we're going to bring you press conferences of Coach Payton and Drew Brees live on the Scoot Show. You can hear Coach Payton tomorrow, Thursday, at 2.15, and then again on Friday at 1.45, followed by Drew Brees at 2.40 p.m. It'll be myself and Steve Geller tomorrow, Christian Garrick and Steve Geller on Friday out there for those special press conferences from Drew and Coach Payton. And speaking of Christian Garrick, he'll be out at Hooters and Metairie tomorrow for the Players Show featuring this week's guest, Saints defensive tackle, Tyler Davison from 6 to 7 p.m. He'll be a big part of that Saints interior rush defense against just a ferocious Rams offense. Text from the 504, do you think the Saints can pull off a win? Uh, yeah, I think the Saints can pull off the win, but if can they is you know a very open-ended question. Do I think the Rams can win? Yeah, I think the Rams can win. A little uh, disconcerting to think about, but of course they can win, just like the Eagles could have won last week. I was telling you that. But they didn't, so they're home and the Saints are still playing. Lots more Saints and NFL talk. Again, Robert Mays, special guest. I saw him out at a Saints camp today. I've been just a huge fan of his throughout the years. His work at the old Grantland site, that was Bill Simmons' site. He's uh, moved with Bill Simmons and that staff over to the ringer, and I asked him to join us, and he'll join us at 8.32. But coming up after the break, we'll talk a little Pelicans because the Pels getting ready to tip it off against the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors out in the Bay Area. Jake Madison comes your way next year, talking some Pels on the last lap. So coming up tonight, we've got the Pelicans taking on the defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors tip off in about 20 minutes or so out there in the Oracle in Oakland and as promised Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast joining us now to break it all down at Noah Jake on Twitter Jake glad to have you back buddy how's it going it's going well always happy to come on and talk hoops with you yeah dude um first of all uh, this Golden State team with what they did yesterday to uh the Denver Nuggets is a little scary aren't they yeah, you know, they really sent a message to the league if they're even capable of needing that right now with that game last night. 51 points in the first quarter, and Denver even played well. They scored 38 themselves, but found themselves down 13 after one quarter. 10 made threes will do it. This Golden State team, despite being kind of up and down for them this year, that's kind of a relative term, I guess, has really figured something out the past three or four games where they've woken up. They've actually changed their rotations a little bit, too. You're seeing more Steph Curry and Kevin Durant on the court at the same time as opposed to them being staggered. That's really kind of changed how they approach the game, and it's leading to a lot of the results that you saw last night. Yeah, and look, we'll talk a lot of Pelicans here, but Steph Curry, he was absurd yesterday, and I just I don't know if we're ever going to see a shooter like him again. I think he's the best shooter that the league has ever seen. And, uh, you know, he's still got a long way to go in his career here, Jake, if he stays healthy. He's just sensational, fantastic to watch. 
Yeah, he, he's the best shooter in NBA history already at this point in his career. He'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow, I think. And I, like you said, I don't know if you're going to ever see someone like this. I'll tell you, you know, you're seeing the three-point shot be more prevalent at all levels of basketball. So maybe someone will come along way down in the future. But I think it's going to be a long time. And like I said, he's a Hall of Famer already. Yeah, I think he's averaging the most points he has in his career at 30 points a game this year. He's just been as good as he ever has this year, Steph Curry. And they'll get the Pelicans tonight. And the Pelicans coming off, look, maybe their best win of the season on the road against a very good Clippers team. And they almost let a lead get away like we've seen so many times but maybe turning in a corner here by holding on to that lead late and you saw Anthony Davis in the clutch with some clutch free throws and really the aggressiveness on the offensive side maybe Jake maybe they're turning a corner here yeah, you know, you saw a lot in that Clippers win or the, the win for the Pelicans over the Clippers that you'd want to see from that team. First and foremost, they came out and played really good defense. That's something we haven't seen from them all year long. They always pick it up in the second half, but in the first part of games, they really struggle on that side. They did not in that Clippers game. You saw it when Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday were out of the game that they got quality bench minutes, which is easier said than done against the Clippers, who boast Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams coming off the bench. But you had solid minutes from Jaleel Okafor, from Frank Jackson that kind of kept the Pelicans afloat during that time. It gives those starters rest. Anthony Davis was a little bit fresher than we've seen him in the fourth quarter because he didn't need to carry such a load that he has in other games. And now that you've got guys like Miritich back, Alfred Payton back, the depth improves a little bit because of that, and maybe that helps them late in fourth quarters. And they are won four out of the last five games, Jake, and that's coincided with everybody getting healthy. Alfred coming back, then Nikola Miritich coming back. Do they keep the Rotate, they get the rotation this way if they keep winning with Miritich coming off the bench because I understand he's returning from injury. He's not the same guy that he was uh, before the injury or when he was in the starting lineup, but I, I just don't know if you can keep Julius Randle out of that starting lineup, Jake. No, he had t uh, 10 of the 12 first points for the Pelicans on Monday night, so I think you will see him kept into the lineup. I think it also might fluctuate depending on opponent a little bit, too. There's going to be nights where maybe you just need more shooting out there, and that's when you go with Miritich. I think at times it can kind of be interchangeable, and maybe Alvin Gentry just kind of rides the hot hand to get the most out of that starting unit. So I think you'll see Randall for the time being as Miritich gets his legs back under him. You can see he's still a little bit out of sorts the game shape isn't quite there so for now i think you'll see randall and you might see him for the rest of the way too talking to jake madison here the locked on pelicans podcast talking pelicans they'll tip off against the warriors in 15 minutes or so out in oakland stay on julius randall here for a second is he playing his way towards if not a max deal pretty close to it here averaging a career high 21 points per game he seems to be an offensive force that's uh, really just grown what we've seen him or what we saw from him in Los Angeles the last few years Dick. Yeah, this is kind of the Julius Randle we expected to see with a higher usage rate, with a larger and increased role, and not deferring necessarily to as many other players like he did in Los Angeles. You're seeing him average a career high here. You know, he's got a player option for next season for a little over $9 million, $10 million. He's almost certainly going to decline that since most teams in the league have cap space and can offer him more than that. He missed out on that big money free agent contract potentially this past offseason. He wants to get that back. I would think it's a max, but I would not be surprised if he did something like four years, $80 million a year. 
year, maybe a little bit over that. That's going to be a significant payday for him. It's something that the Pelicans likely aren't going to be able to match. So while this is great that he's playing well for the Pelicans right now, he might be playing his way off of this team for next season. So do you think this all coincides or maybe it all depends on what happens with Anthony Davis? If it's an Anthony Davis trade, do you think that this is somebody that they could build around here, Julius Randle? So the thing with that is uh, maybe, quite possibly, it depends what the pieces coming back in the trade would be. You have to match salaries in the NBA. So if Anthony Davis gets moved, they're going to be bringing back, you know, another $25 million in salary, which kind of keeps them in the same spot that they could be in. So they wouldn't necessarily, they might potentially have more room to be able to sign a guy like Julius Randle. I think they're very high on him. I think you've got some concerns about the way he's played in some fourth quarters. There isn't a huge fit there with Anthony Davis and some of the other guys out on there. You need to find a unique big to pair alongside with Julius Randle. But depending on what Anthony Davis does, you don't want to necessarily let a guy like Julius Randle just walk and not get anything in return. And you might make a play to re-sign him to keep him on this team and then figure it out down the line. So the Pelicans are 21-23. and 23. They are two and a half games back of the Lakers and the Jazz for that final playoff spot. And we still have three or so weeks away from that trading deadline that's on February 7th. Who are some targets that you think they might be looking at right now, Jake? You know, they, they are canvassing the league to see what they can do. They've been active throughout the year with no deal yet, you know, materializing. They were trying to get Jimmy Butler, bring him down here. They've called the uh, the Washington Wizards about Bradley Beal, but it doesn't sound like they'll have the assets to bring him in or that the Wizards want to trade him. Look for them to make a call to division rival Memphis Grizzlies, maybe inquiring about a guy like Mike Conley, their point guard, or other players throughout the league. They'd like to get some depth on the wing. That's easier said than done. You don't see those guys really traded for very cheap or the assets that the Pelicans have. But some guard depth would be good, too. You know, it, I think it's going to be a bit of a quiet trade deadline, so I don't know if there's going to be help coming through the door for the Pelicans to save the season like Miritich did last year. But if you add a little bit of depth onto this team, it helps you over the final remaining games. And I think that would be a big enough move that maybe vaults the Pelicans from being maybe a borderline playoff contender to solidly in, and then they're going to feel pretty good about their chances going into a first-round matchup if they're healthy because they feel they can beat any team in the league when fully healthy. So when you look at the lay of the land of this Western Conference, we know the Warriors will be there at the end. They're the favorites, as they should be. But who else in this Western Conference, the hierarchy, how do you think it's going to shake out? Yeah, it, it's all a little bit in flux after that. I think that Denver Nuggets, is a, uh, they're a very good team. However, I don't necessarily think at the end of the season you're going to see them back at the top in the one, two, or three seed. I think you're seeing Houston play themselves right into it. James Harden is the MVP of the league if it ended today. He just put up 50 points tonight after having 50 points the other night. And what he's doing with that rash of injuries to the Houston team and leading him to victories is nothing short of astonishing. I'm very high on the Oklahoma City Thunder despite their loss to the lowly Atlanta Hawks last night. I think defensively, they're one of the better teams in the league. We know what Russell Westbrook is capable of doing. All of their role players fit that system really well. They know their job, what they're supposed to do. And I think that can kind of get you pretty far as well. So the way I see it maybe shaking out right now is you're going to have the Warriors at number one, the Rockets at two, Oklahoma City at three, and then maybe Denver at four. Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find that podcast daily on the Locked On Network and also LockedOnPelicans.com. And he's at Nola Jake on Twitter. Jake, appreciate it, man. Enjoy Pell's Warriors tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Seth. All right, there he goes. We'll take a break. When we come back, Robert Mays of the Ringer, he's going to join us to break down Saints-Rams. 
Chiefs Patriots and everything coming up here in the NFC's championship week. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap continues next. Our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll at WWL.com. What worries you more? The Rams rushing attack, passing game, or the defense? You cast your vote at WWL.com or the radio.com app. I will tell you, I do not know what has happened in the studio. And this is way, I'm just going to pull, we'll pull, pull in the curtain way back here, Dorothy. I, we were at 400 Poitras <laughs> in our studios downtown, live, live radio folks. I do not know what has happened with the air in this building, but it has gone from tolerable to Arctic like in the span of about 20 minutes here. Logan, is it is it as cold back there? Is it just got over here? Uh, not on this side of the glass, no. Uh, well, lucky you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I also I also am just a very warm person, like always. Oh, you so. are. You're you're so warm and, and bubbly and and effervescent yeah. over there. No, it is cold. I have on like three different layers here, and now I just had to put on a hoodie. It's that cold. We got this vent right above my head, and I can feel the cool breeze right on my forehead and i'm not liking it i think i think those rams players heard what you were saying earlier i think so <laughs> i absolutely think so this is some kind of conspiracy here come on now uh text from the 504 sean who came in last place in fantasy uh, well sean let me stop your text there I also didn't make the playoffs, and I also was near the bottom. So you and I can wallow in our fantasy football. Sorry. Sean goes on to say we need a big game from one of our safeties from here on out. No, both safeties. You're going to need big games from both of your safeties here on out. Kurt Coleman and, of course, Marcus Williams. And then anybody who rotates in and out there. This is the entire secondary. It's going to be interesting. This is a diverse offense, this Rams offense. Sure, you can stop the run, but they're going to throw all over you. Although I do think it's going to be much more difficult to throw the football here in that noise. I expect a heavy dose of no huddle, hurry up offense from the Rams. They tried that initially in the game against the Saints earlier this year. It worked. And then once they got down big, they just went back to the huddle offense because, quite frankly, the crowd, they weren't all that into it. The big lead, you think they're going to cruise there to a win, especially with the way the Saints were playing at that time of year. Expect it to be a lot louder. Different story this time. To the phone lines, we go Derek and Gonzalez. What's going on, Derek? Hey, Seth. How you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm I'm great. I'm cold. I'm a cold right here, yeah, but I'm okay. I'm cold too, man. <laughs> I was at work. But, uh, look, I got a couple of things I want to touch on. Uh -huh. You know, we had this discussion at work. I work at one of the big hotels on Canal Street. And a lot of us, you know, we're not worried, man. The bottom line is you played all year to get the first round by. You played to get the number one seed. So now you just got to do your job. You just got to go out there. You just got to play the same football. You just got to smack them in the mouth, man. I mean, this is what you played all year for. You got to go out there and just like Sean Payne said, prove them right. Prove them. Prove them. Prove them wrong, man. That's all you got to do. And another thing that I haven't seen from – our offense is enough screens, man. You know, at one time we used to screen with Mark Ingram a lot, and you know he'd get a lot of a, a lot of yardage with that. But I haven't seen him go with the screen a lot, and I just wanted to know, wonder why. Well, I, I couldn't ask you that. You had to ask the coaches about that one, Derek. I couldn't answer you there. I mean, that's something I'm not even going to pretend like I know. Um, I am the chess mass of these two coaches. The chess match. Let me get that out right, Derek. Just kind of to your point, I guess here. Maybe a little deeper to your point, just taking it to the next level or third level. The chess match between two really 
brilliant offensive minds. And I know it's kind of a fad now to hate on Sean McVay and go, oh, everybody thinks he's a genius. Is he really a genius? He's only won one playoff game. No, I mean, you look what he's done with this Rams offense. He's just uh, – it's been incredible. And that points squarely to him. Kind of like how we used to hate on Bill Belichick and because he all he did was win and he transformed that franchise into a perennial power. I think it's way too early to say the Rams are going to be a perennial power, but it's it's been incredible the transformation that Sean McVay has had. The chess mass of those two guys – on Sunday is maybe the thing that I'm most intrigued to watch here from up high at the press box. Let's go to Joe in Mandeville. Joe, you want to talk about your Cowboys, of course. Of course. Mays forgot a couple of things here, and I'm surprised that it wasn't brought up. Do you have an answer for T.J. Anderson? I'm not kidding. Yeah, 140 yards. Did you watch this game last week? Uh, of course, yeah, yeah, I did. It wasn't even close, man. It was third and four and third and five, <laughs> and they were running the ball on them, and they'd still make the first down. Well, I'll say this. The Saints have a better run defense than your Cowboys, Joe. Well, of course they do, but do you really think you have an answer for C.J. Anderson? We'll find out. Well, I, it's, it's interesting. He's averaging 140 yards since he's been signed. It's incredible. I mean, My you, mouth was wide open when I saw him get the ball, I'm telling you. He's 280 pounds. I know. He, he he's look, moving. He looks like a shorter version. You remember Christian Okoye, Joe, for the Chiefs? Yeah. <laughs> he reminds me of, I guess, shorter, a little more stumpy version of that. But he's just running over people. Ridiculous. But anyway, real quick, the thing I hate about me, but have you ever seen his girlfriend? No. Ukrainian model. Her name is Veronica. Oh, my Makes God. Sense. It's ridiculous. Wait, why do you hate him for that? Because he's got everything. He's a coach, he's got the money, and now he's got the fabulous babe. And now he's trying to win a playoff game, and he's going to probably have the Super Bowl. Oh. He's going to be untouchable like Brady. Oh, man. He's a Joe in Mandeville, Cowboys fan, already handing the NFC Championship game to the Rams and hating on Sean McVay for having a very attractive uh, girlfriend. He's got everything out there in L.A., doesn't he? California cool is uh, Sean McVay. Text from the 225. Thanks for the call, Joe. Text from the 225. If you were five foot eight, you wouldn't feel the vent. I don't know. I'd have to ask Christian about that one. Uh, let's go to Owen downtown. Owen, welcome into the show. Hey, he's wondering how you have an answer for C.J. Anderson. Nobody has yet, keep, to his point. He's right keep, there. Keep him on the sidelines, and he won't be able to run the ball. Oh, good point, Owen. Saying ball control by the Saints, maybe another eleven minute drive, and keep the offense, keep keep the offense, and Sean McVay offense on the sidelines, and we win the game. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. It's one of the reasons I've always argued that it's not just about the raw stats, raw yards, passing yards, rushing yards, total yards. How efficient you are on a per play basis, I think, is even more important. Now, the Chiefs have all the yards, Rams more yards as well, but on a per-play basis, the this, this Saints offense, and I even count it, even if you throw in the last five weeks when they weren't the same, they're just more efficient on a per-play basis. They're able to stay on the field longer than some of these other offenses, wear down the defense, and one of the reasons why, they have been the best team in the fourth quarter this year. Ten points a game in the fourth quarter. Ryan downtown. Ryan, welcome into the show. Yeah, um, I want to make a couple comments. Everybody's talking about uh, the two cornerbacks of the Rams, uh, which they're great players, don't get me wrong. But uh, if you look at the stats that our Ohio State Buckeyes 
put up the two cornerbacks against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's beyond elite numbers. And then second thing, I feel like you and Bobby need to continue to remind the fans two things. Um, one is about the crowd noise. You know, we got to keep it up. And the second is how their offense is structured and how they do a lot of pregame, uh, pre-play uh, audibles right. and stuff like that. We yes. need to re- continue to remind the fans that it's not the last 10 seconds of play clock. It's ah. as soon as the ball gets tackled, as soon as, soon as they place the ball, we need to get loud. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. It's a great point. I talked about that last week with Philadelphia coming in here. Sure, you, I mean, we're human. you got to reset the lungs here and vocal cords a little bit. By, by the time there's about – 25 seconds on that clock or hell if they're going hurry up maybe even sooner than that you got to get loud because being loud when they're trying to make checks at the line of scrimmage is the most important part from a crowd noise perspective there to your point about the cornerbacks for Los Angeles I don't know if I'd call them great and I certainly wouldn't call Marcus Peters great he was graded as the 100th ranked quarterback a uh, cornerback rather in the NFL this year number 100 that is not good that is bad Certainly doesn't deserve his contract. Now, Tlaib, he's been great for a long time. He was hurt this year. He's the 15th-ranked cornerback when he has played this year. So a little more to worry about there. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan Falgu here, too. One more break. Back with your calls at 504-260-1870. And an update on our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll. What worries you more? The Rams rushing attack, passing game, or L.A.'s defense? Log on, cast your vote, www.com or the radio.com app. Reminder tomorrow, 2.15, we'll carry Coach Sean Payton's press conference live. Drew Brees following that at about 3.45. Friday, 1.45 for Payton, 2.40 for Brees or so. Here is an update on our uh, opinion poll. Actually, we'll get that next hour. Not enough time to do that here. So next hour, we will update that opinion poll. You can vote on it, though. What worries you more, the rushing attack, passing game, or the defense for Los Angeles? Text from the 504, New Orleans, number one NFL TV market, that is. Yeah. Big time ratings. Huge ratings here in New Orleans for football. Not really surprising, though, is it? All right, next hour, we'll talk a little LSU hoops as they creep on in towards the top 25. Nice win yesterday against Ole Miss on the road, number 18th ranked team in the nation. Privateers also. A win tonight against Stephen F. Austin. Nice job to Coach Schles and his team. Ralph Michaels from Vegas will come in, talk conference championships, pick six, and sports libs too. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.